is okay in 2018. And so Thanksgiving, Hal's always been a thankful person. I've known Hal for about 100 years now, and Hal has always been thankful, but a lot to be thankful for this year. So I don't know if you watched this on the news. I found this online. In 1972, David Hockney painted this picture. 1972. Have you seen the picture? It's called Portrait of an Artist Pool with Two Figures. In 1972, it sold for $18,000. Hockney is still alive, and he broke a record this week, because it sold again this week at auction, Christmas. It brought more than $18,000. Set a record for painting sold for the most of a live artist. 90.3 million dollars 90.3 there are some things that I don't understand <laughs> I, I just don't see it but somebody saw it and there was a bidding war to get to the 90 million my grandchildren are here today they're down in the nursery that's why Donna volunteered to play the piano so she didn't have to be down there with them so they love this stuff. And my grandchildren like to paint. You can go to the next one here. Does that look like something my grandchildren might have done? Jackson Pollock did this. It's called number 17A. That's the title. Sold three years ago for $200 million. They say that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. We're going to talk about that today. Before we go further, let's pray. Father, remind us that you look at us, at all of us, each part, each fiber, each hair, each thought. And today we're going to see what you see. And when we see that, we should be thankful. Thank you in your eyes. We are your masterpiece, your creation. We are beautiful. And Father, we're more beautiful when we live the way we ought and follow you the way we should. So help us to do that. Help us to think about what you see. In Jesus' name we pray. It's been over 20 years now when I was pastor at the Ackerman Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. And I was at the office one day, and we, it's a little town, everything's a half mile away, and I got a call to come to the hospital a half a mile away. They wanted me to do the last rites for a dying classic woman. Well, I'd never done last rites before. Never seen last rites before. This was before Google, pretty much, and I couldn't Google last rites and run to the hospital and do the last rites. But I went and got there quickly, did what I could do. I forget what I said, but I will never forget what I saw. The woman was in her last minutes. 
and she was skin and bones. I had never seen someone so emaciated before in any visit I'd ever made. And while I can still picture her and could probably take you to the room we were at, I had such a vivid memory. What really caught my attention and what I remember most was her son. Holding her hand, kissing her forehead, telling her that he loved her. While I saw skin and bones, he saw his mother. And she was beautiful to him. And I thank God that I got to learn in that moment. Beauty in the eye of the beholder. All of us, in one way or the other, have a special lens that we filter life through. We think that our kids are the best and the most beautiful sometimes. But then the grandkids come. And we think they're the best and the most beautiful always. When I was doing this, I thought about my friend Pam Jordan. Paul Jordan, I think about you too. But I ran into Pam the other day at Kroger getting ready for a trip all tonight. And Pam, uh, how old is the baby now? Three weeks, four days. Three weeks, four days old. But who's counting? Is it the prettiest grandchild you've ever seen in your life? Uh, she's trying to be kind. Is David Beasley are your grandchildren the most beautiful in the world? The David Beasley says, Mitch, how about yours? They're perfect. And that's how we are with them. We look at them in a way that is filtered. And it's different from our children filter, the grandchildren filter. I'd always heard that. Now I experience that, and it is true. We see people that we love differently than we see the average Joe. I read this story this week. Chris Watts, who's in the Atlanta Journal Online, a Colorado man pleaded guilty on the 6th of November to killing his <coughs> wife who was expecting and their daughters, four-year-old Bella and three-year-old Celeste. He told investigators where he hid the bodies. They went and they found them, where he disposed of them. And it makes you wonder how this could happen to a husband, to an expecting wife, and two little babies. And you think, who could defend Chris Watts? You know who. His mother was quoted in the article that I read. He's not the monster people are portraying him to be. I love my son no matter what. I want to fight for him. I don't want him to go down for something he didn't do. Well, he confessed to it. They have evidence. But to mom, it couldn't be so. Because she has those lenses, and that's how she sees her son. She loves her son. And she should. She sees him through lenses none of us can look at him through. Last week, my friend Joe McKeever, McKeever was here and, and did a great job in everything he did, but he drew you pictures. And there's something I noticed when he draws our pictures. He makes us look younger than we really are. Did you notice that? 
with the pen. He took 30, 40 years off of people just like that. We had friends visiting from Indiana. My dear friend Leona Conover loved her picture so much. She just added on to her house and she's going to hang it in her hallway. She's, uh, she might listen to this, so I'm not going to tell you how old she is, but he drew her in younger eyes. I love that about Joe doing that. And it made me wonder how God sees us. We're going to talk about you likely remember when young David was chosen to replace King Saul. We find the story in 1 Samuel chapter 16. We find something really interesting in here. The Lord speaks to Samuel. He says, you've mourned long enough for Saul because God's going to reject him. I've rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I selected one of his sons to be my king. Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. I try to leave town to go anoint a new king. This one's going to kill me. God says, take a heifer with you. And say that you've come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice. I'll show you which one of his sons to anoint for. Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong? They said, do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel said. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves. Come with me to the sacrifice. And Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons, invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, one of David's big brothers and thought, surely this is the Lord tonight. He looks kingly like Saul did. Verse 7 says, The Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I like that. And it's true. We judge by outward appearance, don't we? You ever decided you didn't like somebody just by the way they looked? <coughs> the way they dressed? We likely have. But here we see God looking at the heart. And the heart here means the inner man, the soul. Looks have nothing to do with the way that God sees us. But looks do matter, well, to us. You ever seen a couple and wondered, how did he wind up with her? You ever seen that? Maybe she saw something in him you just couldn't see. So if God sees the inside, does that mean we're in trouble? Because we can take a bath and do our hair and get dressed up and look good, but God sees past all of that. The inside, we can't fool God. I've got some good news there too. Let's stick with David a bit. When David finally became king, did he have a perfect life and everything was just rosy? Eleanor shaking her head. No, Eleanor knows something. Anybody else know? Did David have any problems while in office? What happened? Anybody have one name? 
Bathsheba. There you go. The Me Too movement got a hold of David. And they got the Bathsheba story and it hit the papers and oh, it got bad. It was abuse of power and then there was the murder of her husband and we know it. We've read it. It's there. After God dealt with David for his sin, David and his new wife Bathsheba had a son. The first one didn't make it. The second one did. His son was named Solomon with Bathsheba. Solomon was described as the wisest man who lived in his time. Solomon became a great king. Solomon built the temple for God. And after Solomon, David's own son, built the temple, I want you to see what God told Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 9. When Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord, and the king's house, and all that Solomon desired to build, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time, as he had appeared to him at Gideon. The Lord said to him, I've heard your prayer and your plea which you have made before me. I've consecrated this house that you have built, put my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. As for you, God speaking to Solomon, look what he says. If you walk before me as David your father walked with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my ordinances, if you do that, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever as I promised your father David saying there shall not fail you a successor on the throne of Israel. I want to read you part of verse 4 and verse 5 again because I don't want you to miss this. God tells Solomon, if you walk before me as David your father walked, with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I've commanded you and keeping my statutes and my ordinances, then I will establish a royal throne over Israel. Do you see how God sees David here? Where's the sin? Where's the stain? Where's the failure? It is gone. To God, David is beautiful. He's confessed. He's moved on. And here we see that God sees David as a man of integrity, a man who is upright, and a man who is obedient. And here's the key. When we come to God asking for forgiveness, when we come to God willing to repent, when we come to God ready to move on, He says, okay. And He sees us differently. And I love that. Look at this in Psalms 103, verses 1 through 5, and then 8 through 13. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good. 
as long as you live so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And I skip to verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. Want to guess who wrote Psalms 103? You know. David wrote Psalm 103. I love that. When God described David to David's own son, he didn't mention any of the stuff that we know about. And later David wrote, because it has been removed as far as the east is from the west. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. So happy Thanksgiving. Be thankful about that. Chew on that this week. Be thankful that God sees you as a loving father sees his child. And be careful not to let him down. So when Hal said the prayer, there's a lot for Hal to be thankful for. And I'm going to go give Carolyn warning. I'm going to get her to tell us what she's thankful for. She's got something. I'm going to give her a clue. Something coming up in December. <laughs> Carolyn, anything you're thankful for?
blessings of family. Anybody in this sect? Yes, ma'am. Christian parents raised her in a Christian home and has a Christian husband. That's that's a lot right there. Be thankful. Let's pray. 